Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Gerald is here, one P that never leaves. I'm always here, but I got a guest P to come on with me. I don't know how these guests feel about me calling them P's, but it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Now, that's exciting, right? I got a guest host. There's so much exciting shit to talk about tonight, uh, Billy, but uh, that's exciting. What else is exciting is that Billy from We Watched a Thing is here, and he's never been on the show before. He's a first-time guest, which is shocking. I can't believe that. Losing my P card. Yeah. (laughs) You're popping that P card, brother. Well, first of all, how are you, man? I can't believe you haven't been on two P's before. It's, it's really kind of shocking to me because we've been fans I, of each other yeah. for like two, three years now, and you're finally making your way over here. And I'm actually going to be going on your show this week, too. That's right. So, yes. yeah. Well, how are you, man? Welcome to the show. Mate, I'm great. It's awesome to finally be here, be chatting to you, and I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, this is going to be great. Thanks, man. And the other like kind of really exciting thing, especially for me personally, my favorite month of the show of of the podcast is October. I am a giant horror fan. I'm a horror <laughs> guy, as my patrons like to make fun of me that I'm a self proclaimed horror guy, but I am. One of my patrons actually made me a, a, a sign that he made at home that says horror guy is hanging up behind me. <laughs> So I love talking about all things spooky, scary, horror, horror adjacent, whatever you want to call it in the month of October. What about you, Billy? Are you a big horror guy? Because obviously we're diving into something kind of in that realm tonight. Yeah, definitely. I'm exactly the same. I grew up watching horror movies. Last year on the show, I actually did this thing called Spooktober where Mm. I'm I'm a bit of an idiot. I had actually pre-recorded the entire month of October. I could have just taken the month off. And instead, I said to my wife, we're going to do a bonus episode every Saturday where I make you watch a horror movie. Oh, nice. doesn't like them nice <laughs> and so oh man that was a lot of fun yeah i'm a massive horror guy love them are you still married <laughs> <laughs> yes okay good All luckily right. but she has told me she won't do that again this year <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome i need to go back and check those episodes out i missed that last year i was probably when i was on my hiatus actually but yeah, yeah. but yeah so october man we're here this is the first episode for the spooky season here on two piece and we've got a lot of great shows lined up this month we're gonna be doing five horror themed episodes and this is the first one to get us started billy's here first time guest billy tell them what we kind of came up with and what our top five is going to be tonight okay this this is going to be interesting because as much of a horror guy as i am this is kind of one aspect of horror where i'm not completely up to date Ooh, okay. <laughs> so we are going to be doing our top five spooky tv shows yes so I'm keen on this. I was actually hoping to use this as a bit of a jumping ground to get to a bunch of the the great horror shows that I know I've missed over the last couple of years. You know, when you got kids and stuff, those things just fall right off the radar. Yeah. Uh, But sadly, they kept falling off the radar. So my list is very heavily kind of (laughs) pre-2000s. Interesting. Okay. So you got a lot of... So would you say it's heavily weighted by like nostalgia for you then? A hundred percent. Like, as soon as we came up with the topic, I knew immediately what my number one is. Okay. And I'm expecting to get some flack for maybe my number one and two. I guess we'll see. Oh, wow. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, controversial picks over there, huh? Well, you know, I like to talk a little bit about uh, up at the top, you know, compiling the list. And, you know, you kind of touched on it just now. But for me, Billy, like, I'm kind of the same way where it's like, because I think... And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, or maybe if you're in the same, you know, school of thought here, but I feel like horror fans, which we are, but just as a general audience, they kind of tend to gravitate towards film and towards movies. But I feel like lately it's interesting in the TV world on the small screen, if you will, like in the last, I don't know, like 10 years or so, I don't want to give away any titles, but there's a couple specifically that have really kind of reinvigorated that medium too for horror fans. I mean, when you were to coming up with this list and you were kind of thinking about that because it sounds like yours might be a little more like older stuff so was this stuff that you were into like prior to horror movies without giving any titles away see i started watching horror movies really really young uh like my mum was a massive horror fan so i've spoken about it on the show before i remember watching stuff like i think it was probably around eight when i first saw the thing um and you know tremors like movies like that Uh, I've told this story on a different podcast, but my auntie, when I was about nine years old, she lost her hearing Mm -hmm. and she had to 
you know, get like a bionic ear and stuff. And before she, she knew that this was going to happen, but before she lost her hearing, she was like, I want to hear the kids scream. Oh, <laughs> so wow. Okay. We went, we went around to her place on Friday the 13th and watched a stack of horror movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just like, it just got me going. So I think I was probably already into horror movies when I started enjoying these TV shows. Right. Um, but you're definitely right. I think there's been a massive resurgence in the last kind of, probably like 10 years or so of like really horror focused television. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously like streaming services have a lot to do with that. Yeah, for sure. They can take a lot more liberties than like, you know, your ABCs and CBSs and that kind of thing. But, you know, looking back at some of the old classics too, that's why I wanted to name the episode spooky TV because, you know, it really just kind of embodies that Gothic or like horror elements. It doesn't necessarily have to be like slasher or like, yeah. You know, full-blown yeah. horror that we might think of, you know, when we think of these, you know, big blockbusters and these franchises and stuff. So, there's some sweet gems in there, um, you know, especially in the last, like, five to ten years. But even more so, like, going all the way back to, I mean, really, you could go back to the 60s. And, again, I don't want to give away any titles, yeah. but <laughs> you could go back as late as early as the 60s, as, at least on, yeah. like, network television, to see yeah. some stuff that started kind of incorporating that kind of horror those horror themes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. The, I mean, the other thing I found tricky about this list, and I don't know if you found the same thing, but what we didn't really do was set a brief in terms of, is it the top five spookiest shows or is the top five best spooky shows? Yeah, you know, so- you know, you mentioned being an idiot earlier. I'm kind of an idiot with that too, man, because when I do this show... <laughs> You know, I, I like to leave my guests kind of just like open, you know, like however yeah, their interpretation yeah. is. And that makes it really fun for me. Um, yeah, I think so, too. But in yep. doing the top fives, generally, it's just like, what are your five, your personal five favorite yeah. that fit into whatever category? So, yeah. And if you didn't do that, that's completely fine. That's what makes it interesting. But for me, these are just my five favorite shows that I, that have like high rewatchability for me yeah. or that if, I, if I'm flipping through the channels and an episode's on, I'm going to watch it. Anytime I hear the theme song, I might get nostalgic, you know, th- that kind of shit yeah. where... That's exactly how I did uh, it too. You yeah. know, it's just kind of part of my, my psyche. And then there's a couple personal connections that I'll mention too. I'm really surprised at actually what ended up being my number five because that's a very personal connection. And it's, a, it's a lot of recency bias built into that too. And it, yeah, ha- right. it has yeah, to do cool. with my kids. So I'll talk a little bit about that here in a minute. But yeah. I, I'm excited to see where we go. So this is our first of five Halloween slash horror themed episodes this October here on Two Piece. I love doing this every year. Billy, I'm so glad you finally made your way over to the show, man. It really means a lot to me that you were able to make it tonight. And why don't you uh, kick us off, man? What is your number five spooky TV show? All right, let's do it. This is an interesting one. This is one of the most recent ones on my list. And this is kind of why it cracked the number five spot is that for me anyway, this was a little bit of a, you know, a resurgence into that kind of spooky TV shows because... I love television and I love horror, but I haven't kept up with a lot of them. Mm -hmm. The other reason this is at number five is it's an anthology series, which means it's a little bit hit and miss. Some seasons are really good and really scary and some are not so much. I'm talking about American Horror Story. Dude, this is a good one. It ended up being in my honorable mentions in my second half, but I really wanted it to be in my top five. But you're right. There's been some duds kind of like. Yes. Yeah. But the ones that are good are like really good. Like the first one was oh, Murder House. is yeah. like revolutionary. Talk a little bit about why you love this show. Well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you said it right there. Murder House is really what I go to when I think about this show. And it, I've always found it interesting because like at the Emmys, this show is nominated for limited series like mm-hmm. rather than anything else. So I kind of think of each season and it's as its own series. So I guess what I'm really putting here is Murder House. And I remember <laughs> right. watching that. I remember watching it when it came out. I can't even remember how long ago it was. And obviously it was I forget the the guy's name, but it's the guy who made Glee and Nip Tuck and, you know, a bunch of shows like that. Ryan R- Yeah. Uh, Ryan Murphy. That's it. And so when this came out, I did not have high expectations really because I wasn't a fan of his other stuff. But I could not believe how much he reinvigorated that love of like a spooky serial story Mm -hmm. in me, you know, where it just, 
at the end of each episode, you're kind of hanging on the edge of your seat and you're scared, but you're never really too scared. But it's, it's, I just, I loved this series. I thought it was so good. You know, what? another thing that American Horror Story does possibly better than anyone is like, you know, the marketing campaigns too, you know, like the, yeah. the posters and the commercials and, you know, the little trailers. Like I can remember in the Murder House, it was, do you remember it was that like weird figure with the all black latex yeah, the, thing? The, gimp, the leather man. Yeah, yeah. the gimp <laughs> yeah. Uh, costume or whatever. They have the new one that's like Dollhouse, which I haven't watched yet, but it has like these like lifelike dolls that kind of come to life yeah. or whatever. Yeah, that's a, there's always a there's always a hook. Like as hit and miss as it can be, there's always like you know like a circus, for example, freak show. Like that's inherently kind of spooky, right? You know, like right. a a doll is inherently spooky. That's kind of burned into my brain through things like Child's Play or you know, like it's there's just they really hook onto these things, and I think that. It, it's a really smart show, I think. Yeah, I agree. And and they really do, um, you know, borrow a lot from like the classic horror elements to like yeah, kind of like meld their story. Like, you know, you had Asylum, so you're dealing with like, you know, that kind of spooky mental hospital aspect. And we already talked about kind of the haunted house with Murder House and, yeah. you know, the alien stuff later on. And, you know, so they really do. And then they even had that summer camp one that was like a throwback to Friday the 13th and yeah. and those kind of camp slashers, which that season wasn't great. I really, really had high hopes for that, that season and it kind of ended up falling yeah. flat. But all in all, I think it's a great pick because I feel like, you know, Ryan Murphy and the other creators just really said, you know what, let's do a show that kind of pays homage to a lot of the classic horror elements and and put it on TV, you know, and they really, I think that's the thing. You can feel that the creators and the people making the show that they're having fun with it. Like they clearly have the same kind of love for the horror genre and how fun, how silly and how scary it can be. And, And I just think that as far as TV goes, I think this has probably nailed that the best. Like this TV show, I think really, demonstrates what a lot of people love about horror. Yeah, I agree, man. So great pick. American Horror Story is your number five. All right, so let's do it, man. Uh, how old are your kids? Can I ask, Billy? Yeah, my kids are eight and four. Okay, so so are mine. My kids, well, eight and three. Yeah. My number five surprises me. All right, horror fans are <laughs> tuning in. They're going, what? <laughs> this is your number five? <laughs> I have been watching this on a binge. Uh, you know how when your your young kids will get hooked on something and it'll be like the only oh, thing they watch? There's oh, like, yeah. There's like yep. two or three things that they watch and there's like, that's it. It's just on a constant loop. But yep. we have been watching a show called Gravity Falls. And that's my number five. Oh, nice. Yeah, good pick. I didn't even think of this. You know, this is spooky TV for the whole family. It's a kid's show. It's animated. But it's just so endearing and so charming. And it's been canceled. It only ran, I want to say, two seasons, possibly three. But, you know, it's a Disney uh, property. And it follows these young kids who are maybe like 11, 12 years old. They're brother and sister, Dipper and Mabel. And they go to live with their uncle for the summer in Gravity Falls, Oregon. And it's this mysterious town. And he has this weird kind of like, you know, like in Texas Chainsaw Massacre and all those movies, how, you know, the characters will go to these like gas stations that are also kind of like a museum for all the like yeah. murders that have happened there and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. like a trope, you know, well, that stands house basically. And he has this museum yeah. and tourists come in and see all these mysterious things from around the town, these paranormal and supernatural stuff that goes on. And these kids with this imagination, Dipper and Mabel, just like are, are soaking all that up and they're using it as a way to be like, you know, these these PIs who are going around the town to try to figure out, you know, what the mystery to everything is. And it's just yeah. it's so endearing and it does have a lot of callbacks to a lot of things from horror movies and from just horror lore in general. And I love the animation. I, I love the hand-drawn style in the show. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. you can you can watch this with your kids, and they might not know it, but they're watching horror with you. You know, it's a very fun, lighthearted, you know, no, I mean, it's a G-rated horror, if that's a thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I really enjoy watching this with my kids, and, and I, I honestly, I don't get tired of it. So Gravity Falls is my number five. I had to put it on there for my children. What You've seen this, Billy? Yeah, yeah. That's a great call. I, I didn't even think of it, but you're right. It's... It's so much fun. One of the things I've loved about having kids, and I'm sure you've had this as well, is when you can start to introduce them to the things that you love. Yeah. Like just recently, I sat down with my eight-year-old and we watched the first Jurassic Park movie, love it. which is one of my favorite films of all time. And she 
loved the crap out of it. No and doubt. it was so much fun. And yeah, you're, this is one of those great things. It's it's like, it takes me back to when I was a kid and you'd watch things like Scooby-Doo. Right, and exactly. And you wouldn't even yep. know it at the time. But yeah, you're right. That's kind of your introduction to, to this genre. Yeah, that's a great pull, man. Exactly. And I mean, recency bias has got a little bit to do with it because I've been watching like this on a loop for a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. Uh, I have a Gravity Falls t-shirt I purchased a couple months ago and I'm a big fan of the show. So nice. it is my nice. number five. And you had American Horror Story at your five. What's your number four, buddy? Okay. My number four is one of those ones where I don't know if I'm going to cop flack for this or whether this would have made other people's lists. It's kind of a little bit of a basic bitch pick at the moment. Well, because, And again, it might be recency bias, but my number four is Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, like, I know that it's obviously one of the biggest shows in the world at the moment, mm-hmm. but- I've loved this show since its first season, as many people have. It's obviously digging right into that Stephen King aesthetic. At times, it can be really quite high on the kind of spooky spectrum. And at other times, it's more kind of teen drama-ish. But it's always crazy engaging. And I think the horror elements, particularly in this most recent season, are done really well. Yeah, I agree, man. I mean, this is on my list, too. So I won't elaborate too deeply. But I I will say in honor of our mutual friend, Paul, low. (laughs) (laughs) But I do agree with everything you said. I think it's uh, easily probably front of mind for anybody that hears this topic, you know, at least if they've been watching TV in the last 10 years. This would this would come to mind right away, and I think it's a uh, well. I'm going to talk a lot about it here shortly, so I think yeah, it's a great nice. pick. So, Stranger Things is your number four. Who's your favorite uh, character on Stranger Things, Billy? Oh, I mean, it's got to be Max, right? Like, hey, is, is Max, Max Max is everybody's Mayfield. favorite for sure. Yeah, Ma- <laughs> Max Mayfield. Yeah, um, I wanted to ask that question. Dan and I just did our top five Stranger Things characters a few weeks ago. Oh, nice. And he didn't even have Max on his list. I'm just going to throw that That's out there. Insane. So, can you believe That's that? That's crazy. Can you believe that guy? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Uh, love you, Dan, but also hate you. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, my number four, and I was joking with Billy before we started recording. I, I made this list a few nights ago, and I did all this research, and I was like watching YouTube clips, and I was rewatching some of my favorite scenes, and like reading other people's lists and all this stuff, and I forgot to order them. So, I'm kind of doing that in real time. <laughs> I'm like, what five do I want to make sure I, I mention? But what I'm going to say for my number four is an HBO series called True Blood. Oh, yes, yes. All right, so that's going to be my number four. Did you watch this one, buddy? I did. I watched the whole thing, and I loved it so much at the time that I even got mad into the book series. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so Charlene Harris obviously wrote the vampire. I think it was called, what was it called? The Southern Southern Vampire Stories or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so True Blood based on that, but- you know, Anna Paquin doing her thing here is Sookie Stackhouse, who, uh, you know, it, for my money, at least when you're talking horror TV, has got to be like kind of in the Mount Rushmore, I feel like, of like heroes yeah. of horror TV. Like yeah. she's definitely got because, you know, she ends up getting kind of her own powers and we kind of the the telepathy that she's able to present in the show. So she kind of becomes a hero in a roundabout way. Yeah. But it's just this vampire story. It's kind of like, you know, what if Twilight, you know, replaced all the glitter with just like blood and gore? With you gore. Know? Yeah. And that's yep. what you get with True Blood. And it was so like campy, you know, like there were yeah. like yep. it really had a really a high camp element to it um, where it kind of especially as the seasons went on where it was just kind of like you almost got the sense like Alan Ball, who was the creator here uh, and the show writer was just kind of like. Let's fuck it, guys. Like whatever, whatever you know, werewolves, shapeshifter, like whatever you want to yep. do, you know, wear panthers. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Like who gives a shit? Yep. Like people are watching it. Something's clicking here. So you know, we got introduced to some uh, actors who have really blown up, like Alexander Skarsgård, Stephen Moyer. Um, I, I love this show. It's a guilty pleasure type of show uh, yeah. because it is so crazy and so camp. But I just had so much fun with it. And and like you, I couldn't stop watching it, even though it kind of fell off a little bit at the end. Um, Yes, it did. But I stuck with it. And I I really was a... You know, a super fan of of Sookie's, and I kind of yeah. it was kind of her story, and I stayed with her, you know, until the end because I'm loyal like that. Very, yeah. very, I've gotta, very I've gotta similarly ask, to Game of Thrones in a way. But are you Team Vampire Bill or Team Vampire Eric? Mm. <laughs> 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 I mean, Eric is hot, isn't he? I mean, come on, that's a se- I mean, that's a sexy dude. I don't know. <laughs> he's pretty crazy hot. <laughs> yeah, I gotta do, especially after seeing the Northman. I don't know. I gotta, I gotta do that. I think. But, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. 
Yeah, I, I, I loved this show at the time, like I said, but I actually didn't even think of it when making this list. I think it's funny as obviously, you know, heaps of spooky elements. It's it, like you said, it's Twilight. It's a vampire story essentially. But I think I associate it more with being a bit of a romance than anything. So oh, I think it just didn't even pop into my head. Yeah, but- yeah, I mean, I definitely loved it at the time. And it was some, you know, later on, like you said, when werewolves come into it and you get, what's that handsome hunk's name? Oh, uh, yeah, he was, uh, um, oh, God, what was his name? He, the character's name was Alcide. I can't remember. He, oh, <sighs> anyway, very handsome man. <laughs> yeah, what was that dude's name, though? He's been in some other stuff. Um, yeah, he, it really boosted his career. Um, crap. Oh, I'm going to have to look that up now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is it Joe Mango? Man- oh, yes. That's uh, it. What? I can't pronounce his last name. I think he's well, that, Italian. Yeah, that's why I couldn't uh, think of his name because I can't pronounce it. It's like Manganiello or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah. what I'm thinking of. Yeah. 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 No, definitely. Yeah, definitely a good pull. I, I did love this show a lot at the time. And it had a great soundtrack as well. It really did. And that opening credit sequence is one of my favorites in TV too. I, yeah. I know some people, because it's got all that imagery that's like supposed to be hard to watch or whatever. Yeah. Like maggots eating a fox. Yeah, and- I know, dude. <laughs> yeah. But it, I don't know. The song with Jace Everett, Bad Things, and just like yeah. all that imagery that's going on around there in Louisiana and Vampire Louisiana. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's kind of like its own mini horror music video in a way yeah uh, definitely and i really yeah. dug that for I, I that's one show i'm trying to think there's a few you know not necessarily horror but like the golden girls i mean there's a few shows that like i would never skip the opening and, tr- yeah. and true yeah. blood was one i would never skip the credits in true blood yeah true i always yeah. watch and it's it. quite long as well it's like over a minute yeah yeah, yeah yeah it's just yeah, yeah. i agree for yeah. sure just a side sidebar there but uh, that's my number four, True Blood, that was originally on HBO. And we're back over to you, man. What's your number three? All right. Well, my number three, I think, was pretty heavily alluded to earlier in the show when you spoke about you could go back to the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, this show, it's been rebooted several times. And I almost think you could have any iteration on its list. I even liked the recent remake that was done by Jordan Peele. I'm, of course, talking about the original Twilight Zone. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, because- you know, this one's going to ultimately be my honorable mentions, but this is one of those where it's like, irre- I feel like this is a weird thing because I feel like it's irrefutably the show that falls in this category. Yeah. Because yeah, it kind yeah. of invented this category. Uh, in a exactly. Lo- yeah. In, in a lot of ways. But let me ask you, I mean, did you, because obviously you didn't grow up on it. So did you like watch this with your folks? Did you watch reruns? Like, how did you kind of come to be a fan of this. Yeah, definitely. Reruns with my folks. Like I said, my my mum was a big horror fan. So I grew up watching another show, which I won't mention at this time because it comes up very high on my list. Ooh, okay. All right. <laughs> um, and so I just kind of naturally was seeking out anything I could find that was kind of in this realm. Sure. And I mean, obviously, like you say, this is like the, the granddaddy of this genre. So- it just, you know, it was kind of a no-brainer to watch this. And I've binged the whole series several times in my life. Mm-hmm. And similar to with American Horror Story, obviously, being an anthology, it's it's hit and miss. And it's also not always spooky, you know. And th- there is a really broad spectrum of spooky on this show. Mm-hmm. Like, you get some really straight horror episodes. Like, obviously, you think of The Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, which is mm-hmm. a classic. And then, obviously, there's a lot of kind of alien-based stuff and sci-fi-based stuff as well. But I just think that, you know, when this show is, and especially given it's the 60s, that's what really blows my mind is how well a lot of it holds up today even. Well, I mean, Um, mean, yeah, to their credit, I mean, you know, because they played to the audience. They played to the time and to the era. And in the 60s, there was an uncertain time, especially like in outer space. And, you know, we were going to the moon for the first time and- you know, we were doing all this experimenting as as a country and really as as the globe. And, you know, they kind of like honed in on that. And they were like, okay, you know, people are kind of freaked out by these different UFO sightings and like, you know, what what exactly we can do in space and what else is out there. And they really played to that, um, you know, kind of like public paranoia, if you will. And it almost, you know, I, I didn't see it in the 60s, but I can transport myself there like mentally and kind of think like, had I been watching that at the time, like it would almost be like it was playing as somewhat of a documentary at times, <laughs> yeah, like a sci-fi yeah, documentary. Definitely. You know what I mean? Like you don't really know what's out there. And it's kind of like giving you yep. these possibilities. One of my yeah. favorite episodes I can remember 
real quick, Billy, uh, is there's this episode, I don't know what it's called, forgive me, I should have done my research, but there's like an episode where uh, these these folks are, are looking at this painting and it's like very prominent throughout the whole, it's like a photograph basically throughout the whole show, it's hanging on the wall. Yeah. And then what the twist is, is that the, pe- the in the painting is reality and they're looking at the yeah. people that we have been following the whole episode and they're actually the painting. Does that yeah. make sense? Like that kind of like yeah. mind bending stuff where in the, if you think about it, the 60s, like that's crazy that... Yeah, you yeah. Would, you would have that idea, and then you would be able to, you know, put it on film. Yeah, well, that's it. I think that's what this show did so well. Like being a true anthology, like every episode just a completely different story, completely different cast, and everything. And but you know, having that kind of formula to follow, where obviously there's there's a twist at the end of just about every episode, mm-hmm. and so after a few episodes, the audience gets a bit more comfortable, kind of expecting that to come. But it's. It's just genius the way that they would get different sci-fi writers and stuff in to come up with these stories because it is so inventive. Like you said, coming up with a story like that in the 60s, that's nuts. Yeah, it's crazy, man. <laughs> crazy. It's a great pick. You know, I put in my honorable mentions because I wanted to be authentic. I haven't seen all the episodes. I haven't seen them in so long. Like, yeah, I'm too far removed from it. But I want to just go ahead and say that this is the spooky TV show that kind of started this whole thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. The Twilight Zone. Yeah. So I'm so glad that you mentioned it so I didn't look like an idiot. <laughs> so at least we talked about it on the episode, you know? So we're talking about the 1960s. So how about this? How about one of the greatest cinematic achievements ever? Movies I'm talking about. And one of the greatest filmmakers ever in Alfred Hitchcock did a film called Psycho, right? And yep. it yep. literally shifted the landscape of not only horror, but just cinema in general. It just changed everything. And everything after that has been a little bit different. It's borrowed from it for decades. Well, there's a show that came out on A&E called Bates Motel, which is really a prequel to the Psycho film. Did you ever see Bates Motel? I haven't seen it. It's one of those ones that's been on my to-watch list for so long because I have heard good things about it. Yeah. Um, but no, I haven't seen it. No. Yeah, it's my number three, man. Um, I loved it. I, I've stuck with it. Five seasons. And, uh, you know, Freddie Highmore is playing the you know, the main character that that we know so well from the from the Psycho film. And then Vera Farmiga, who, you know, yeah. from the Conjuring films and a lot of other things, she plays his mom. And, you know, see Norman kind of have this relationship with Norma, his mom, and where that kind of... Because we see the movie, and the movie is very... You know, Hitchcock did something genius where... It's very ambiguous and like one of my fav- yeah. one of my favorite things in horror is when something happens that's horrific that's not explained. Like there's no yeah. you don't know why. Like you know I always comment on you know Michael Myers who happens to be my favorite slasher like in the first film in the first few films we we don't know why he's doing like he just has a mask on and he's just stalking babysitters. Like yeah. it's ambiguity. We don't know what his motive is. There's it's just scarier that way, you know? And that was the case with Psycho. So now you peel that back and you have this kind of origin story. And it's really fascinating to see how hard they worked to really connect what, I mean, this is an iconic film. I mean, Psycho yeah. Psycho yep. is an iconic film. So think of what task that must have been to have to live up to. <laughs> this is how Psycho happened. We're going to tell yep. you guys how Norman became the way he 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 was yeah. in the film. And it, it's a really daunting task. And they did it with such grace. And they nailed it, man. I mean, it's a psychological horror thriller yep. slash deal or whatever. But I think it's definitely spooky enough to make the list. And I love this show. It's one of the best uh, acted, best cinematography shows I've seen in a long, long yeah. time. So, How many seasons did it run for? Five. F- oh, wow. That's much longer than I thought it was. I yeah. thought it was about three. Yeah, wow. Yeah, ten episodes uh, a pop. And they even recreate the iconic shower scene. And I think season yeah, right, two, yeah. I think. Did you ever see? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, I mean, the the recreation. Did you ever see the recreation? Oh no, I didn't. You no, can actually watch no. it on YouTube. It's really, really well done. Like it, it gives me chills to think about uh, because they they do a gender swap on it. So yeah, it, right. it's a okay. man in the shower, and um, it's not shot for shot remake from Hitchcock's film, but yeah, there's a lot of um, reenactments and the way they do it with the music and. 
you know, it's in color as opposed to black and white. And they do the shot of the drain with the blood. And like, uh, you can actually find it on YouTube. It's like a two or three minute clip of that scene. And uh, I think it's season two of Bates Motel. They do that. But yeah, but yeah, they, they pay homage to the movie. And if you if you're <coughs> if you're a fan of the movie, I think it's a no brainer. You got to give it a shot and see if you like it. So it's my number three Bates Motel. Nice. Well, that's definitely moved that higher up my watch list. <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. And it's uh, 10 episodes a season. So. You know, I mean, if you start it, Billy, and you get into it, then, you know, who knows? Maybe you'll finish it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. You know, talk to your kids, tell them you need some time, man, you know? <laughs> All right, buddy. So you got a good list going over there. What is your runner up? What's your number two? Okay. He, this is where I just go full nostalgia boner with my top two picks. And I, I have to be honest, I struggled with whether or not I should include this one because it is one that is very spooky, but. I, it has a lot more to it than that. It's really funny at times. There's a lot of teen drama. I'm talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, good one. Hey, um, Paul's going to love you. <laughs> I mean, one of my all-time favorite shows, I cannot tell you how many times I've watched this show from start to finish. And I was a big Angel fan as well, but I think Buffy is the spookier of the two, and, and I still think the better of the two as well. Um, but yeah, geez, I love this show. It's got a strong female protagonist, who I think stays fairly strong the entire show. It's got a great all-rounder cast. Like, I love just about every character in this show. Uh, the villains are great. The structure is great. You know, there's a lot of kind of monster of the week type stuff, which I personally love. Mm -hmm. But every season has its own full through line, which then feeds through the greater arc of the show as well. And I could watch this show from start to end another 50 times and not get bored. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, Buffy's a good one, man. It's one that I thought about, but it didn't crack my my list. It would probably be like my 11 or 12, though. I mean, it's a great yeah. show. It's it uh, I, Again, I'm too far removed from it. I haven't seen it in so long. Like, I just, yeah, I, yeah. I feel like if I rewatched or if I was rewatching it, it would probably be like my number one just because it was so great at the time and I was so into yeah. it. But there's a lot of great yeah. action on the show, too. Like the uh, fight choreography yeah. and like the yeah. different action sequences they did for TV. Was this a WB originally, right? Or something like that? It was, it uh, was WB and then I think it moved to CW, I think. Right, right. Yeah. But that's what I mean, though. If you think about it, it's kind of a smaller network. So it's like they, yeah. were, they were doing a lot of really cool stuff like from, a, from an action oh, perspective. You know, they kind of oh, seemed it, big budget, but weren't really. Yeah. And even the prosthetics and makeup effects and practical effects and stuff on the show, which obviously, you know, you look at those vampire faces now and they look a little dated. But I, I actually think that those effects hold up pretty damn well, given that this is a show now that started over 20 years ago <laughs> right right no no doubt man i mean that's that's a good one like i said i thought about it It was in the zeitgeist and you know i just i need to revisit it man that's what i need to do but uh it's a good yeah. it's a good pick so buffy the vampire slayer is your number two if yep. if nobody else is excited i know paul is from the countdown because he's, <laughs> yeah. he's a big fan of that as you know as well so yep. look i feel like you know, we were talking uh, when we started out this conversation, Billy, that the last five to 10 years we kept mentioning, right? Like kind of this resurgence. And I don't yep. want to give away any titles that might be coming up on your show, on, on your list, I mean. But one show that I wanted to make sure I mentioned that I feel like the filmmaker and the showrunner has really kind of carved his spot out kind of in that like horror TV niche of the last five to 10 years. And that's Mike Flanagan. Uh, yep. And yep. I really, really, really battled which, with which Flanagan uh, series to put on here because I love them both so, so much. But the one I decided to put at my runner up is The Haunting of Hill House is my number yep. two. Um, uh, this is where I have to shamefully admit that I've not seen it. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, really? Well, this yeah, is one that yeah. you could do pretty quickly. I mean, this is basically one season because yeah. Bly Manor was not good. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, which was the runner up to this. I mean, it wasn't horrible, but like when you put the two next to each other, it's like, just watch Hill House. You're fine. Yeah. Yep. But, you know, this is a, a spinoff kind of based on, if you will, the popular novel by Shirley Jackson. And it really kind of tells the same story, but it does it with these kind of like, you know, James Wan-esque, like kind of horror nightmare imagery. And, yep. you know, like I said, Flanagan has carved out his spot there on the TV side for that type of uh, filmmaking, you know. And yeah, yep. I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's going to be on. Have you seen Midnight Mass or no? 
I've not. No. Okay, that's the one that's. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I was referring to. That's killing me because I love these two so equally, but I didn't want to put two Flanagan series in my top five. Yeah. So I chose yeah. Hill House, but I love Midnight Mass, which was so good as well. But he'll do this like Flanagan will do this like kind of slow burn, uh, psychological haunted kind of story that's kind of playing out. I don't want to give anything away for either of these shows. So hopefully you'll watch them. But, you know, he does that, but he'll then he'll incorporate these like little little quick like, holy shit, like <laughs> that really scared yeah. me, you know, like. <laughs> So it's got those, it's got elements of both. It's got elements of really that like balls to the wall horror, but also that yeah, like yeah. creepy atmospheric horror. And they're yeah. both, they're both kind of like always there and they always kind of exist throughout the, you know, he really creates a, a beautiful landscape that you kind of live in when, yeah. you, when you watch these shows. And I would say you could look on Netflix and you could pick the haunting of Hill house and you could pick midnight mass and you're going to, you're going to be, you're going to get the same experience. It's just two different stories, but like, but like you're going to feel the same uh, as a horror fan watching both of them. Like you're going to have these feelings of like just joy. Like, wow, I can't believe that. I mean, he is fucking killing this. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like this is great, great, you know, cinematic like achievement, you know, and he did it with both and, you know, Bly Manor was a disappointment, the the follow-up, but it did have some good imagery in that show, too. But for my money, uh, The Haunting of Hill House is one of the best things to air on TV, period, in probably the last 10 <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah, see, both that and Midnight Mass have been on my list for ages. But this is the problem. Like I said, the last kind of five, 10 years are basically a dead spot for me. Because the other problem, like I mentioned, my wife doesn't like horror. Mm-hmm. And so when she's out, I'm often having to watch movies and stuff for the show. So when we're together, that's when we're TV watching. Right. So a lot of this horror stuff has just fallen right past me. Oh, so That's a bummer, man. I wonder if she would... Um you know, Midnight Mass is a little less "quote unquote" horror. It kind of plays on the religious horror aspects, like exorcisms and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's some vampire stuff kind of mixed in there, a little bit of creature feature aspects. But like, generally speaking, Midnight Mass is a little bit more of a like I don't know if family drama is the right word, but it's like like yeah, okay. like kind of like ta- like small town drama. I would say it's more. Yeah, right. I would say it's more of a small town drama with kind of like these creepy things going on. So yeah, maybe Midnight Mass might be it. might be a good jumping point if you want to talk your wife into it. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I might do that. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. She's not going to want to like make out with you after because it's pretty creepy. But <laughs> <laughs> and if she does, you got a winner. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's see. The Haunting of Hill House is my runner up. We're up to our number ones, Billy. We're doing right. we're doing good, man. I got the. Uh, by the way, I didn't tell you before we start. I got the pumpkin beers here, so I'm doing the whole. Oh. I'm doing the whole thing. I had a, a stout that was like based on Halloween candy, so it was like a chocolate peanut butter stout. Yeah, it, nice. was, it was called All Hollows Treat or something like that. And now I'm having a pumpkin, <laughs> a pumpkin uh, bourbon barrel uh, ale now. So, oh, see, yeah. this this is the problem over here because, as I said, I love Halloween. I love that whole season. Yeah. Uh, it's really hard to get pumpkin beers over here oh because obviously God. we're out we're out of season here. So Halloween here is in spring. Oh wow! So I have to get them ordered from over in the states, and it costs so much. But I, fuck, I love a pumpkin. That's stout. funny that you mentioned that because I work at a I work at a beer and wine store, so I work at a bottle shop. And uh, yeah, right. It's August when we're recording this, and probably about two or three weeks ago, it was like nothing but but pumpkin was coming in. I was yeah. like, guys, it's August. <laughs> but now I'm drinking it, so I don't know. I guess I'm part of the problem. I don't know, but yeah. See here, there's only like two breweries in all of Australia that release a pumpkin beer every year. That's funny. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that that was so like different as far as seasons, yeah. seasons go. That's funny. Yeah. Well, with that being said, I'm raising my pumpkin beer to you, Billy, because this is your number <laughs> one spooky TV show, man. What do you got? All right, here we go. This one was a no-brainer for me the second we set the topic. It has been. My favorite television show since I was about eight years old, it's The X-Files. Oh, nice. I didn't see this coming. Okay, this is a good one, though. Uh, It's a good one. I I just love this show so much. Like I was saying with Buffy, it's got a lot of Monster of the Week, which is great. And then every it's it's even more kind of divided than Buffy, where 
you could almost class the X-Files as an anthology show for like 90% of its run, where every episode is a different case, a different monster. But typically the first episode and the last episode of every season drives forward what they call the mythology. And every now and then there might be another couple of episodes sprinkled throughout the seasons. But it's just everything I love about this genre. Like because of the way they split that, you get so excited. Like you see the actor who plays smoking man's name in the credits and you're like, Oh fuck. Yes. This is going to be a good one. Right. Right. <laughs> like, right. And some episodes are really, really scary. Like, you know, there have been episodes that have really dove right into horror, you know, and, and it goes across so many different genres. There's haunted house episodes. There's people with telekinesis. There's spooky dolls. There's like anything you can think of that's spooky. This show has had a crack at and usually done it pretty well. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. You're, this is a, another one, your list actually all except except one on your list are shows that I just haven't seen in way too long, but I did watch this in real time back in the day on Fox. And, yeah. um, I mean the Scalder and Molly thing and the whole like, kind of like buddy cop almost, yeah. uh, relationship yep. they had, like, will they, won't they? And then you have that. So it was, it was ingenious, right? Because it was like, it's connecting you to these characters and like their journey and what they're doing yeah. personally and their relationships and stuff. But yeah. then, yeah. but then it's like surrounded by all this like creepy sci-fi horror shit that kind of takes your attention away from it until you like remember it again, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, was- and even the way, the way that Scully is a skeptic and it's like, it gets like six seasons in and you're like, come on, Scully. Like you have seen so much at this point. <laughs> yeah. How are you? How Still at the end of every episode writing a report that says, oh, it could have been this. It's like, no, Scully, fuck off. Right, right. It's like, okay, guys, we, you know now. Why are you still? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah. funny. Uh, X-Files, yeah. great pick, man. It's an all-time classic, dude. I mean, that, that theme song. Yeah. Synonymous. Oh, it's on my Halloween playlist yeah. every year, the X-Files theme song. Oh, it so. has to be. It's it's one of the greatest spooky pieces of music ever written. It, and the entire score done by Mark Snow is just genius. Like, yes, it's a little bit 90s now, but it it really evokes that spooky feeling in you in a way that I don't think a lot of other music has nailed just yet. Yeah, I agree. And it, and it does like, at least I'm talking about the theme song, like when you hear it, you do immediately think like aliens. Yes. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like you immediately get like, I'm in Arizona in the desert and like something's landing, you know, a mile from me. Like, it's like you feel just creepy alien vibes, you know? So he nailed yeah. it with that, I think. Your number one X-Files, Billy Graham. Great pick, man. Classic pick. My number one, you already mentioned, Stranger Things. Oh, wow. You're number one. My number I f- one. I forgot that you said this was coming up on your list. My wow. number one, brother. I feel like this show, I, I feel like it's a, a bit of a victim to being as popular as it has become that people oh, kind of like yeah. dismiss it in like smaller circles. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like critic circles and like, you know, even shows like this where, but like, let's not refute it, man. Like this is like a nostalgia. This is a show that is borrowing from like Stand By Me, Goonies. Yes. Yeah. E.T. E. Like, you know, even movies from like 10, 12 years ago, like Super 8 that I really love that J.J. Abrams did. Like, yep. these kind of like, you know, adventures with preteens that lead us down this path of like darkness and horror and, you know, but it's like kids are in the mix. So it adds this like element of like, oh my God, are they going to be okay? Like there's just this added dread to the proceedings because you have these really relatable, like likable kids yeah. at the center of the story. And then you have some great adult characters too, like Hopper and, you know, I'm a huge Winona Ryder yeah. fan, so I love Joyce. Yep. But I mean, that's what this show is, man. It's just like, you know, all the things that I loved in the 80s growing up. Yeah. And yeah. it's back on TV for me. And it's like new and it's the, the special effects are better. And yeah, you know, I have yeah. a bit of a personal connection to it because the Duffer Brothers, you know, the show creators lived here in the hometown where I live in Durham, North Carolina. Oh, and, wow. And they based a lot of the Hawkins sets on my town that I live in. And I drive by the school where they went to high school every day <laughs> when I go to work. And yep. uh, just to have that connection is kind of cool, too. Like on the show, there's a lot of these um, mentions of like roads and uh, neighborhoods and stuff that are actually here <laughs> that I, where I live. <laughs> so it's right. kind of crazy. Like they're like a mile from me. I'm like, oh, my God, what? 
Uh, so I, you know, I drive down Cornwallis road like once a week and that they mention that on the show all the time. So, you know, they yeah. have that kind of like hometown connection is pretty cool too. But yeah, man, this is just a great show. You know, the kid actors, you know, I love Millie Bobby Brown. I know she gets a bad rap from some people, but yeah, I, I don't think, understand the bad rap. Yeah, I, yeah I, I agree. I think she's actually great. I think she's great. I, I love Dustin on the show. I love Steve. Like, you know, we talked yeah. about Max earlier. Like, you know, these kids are doing their thing, man. And I mean, child actors, like in general, it's like few and far between. You know what I mean? So yeah, to yeah. get to get four or five of them on the same cast is is pretty special. So yeah, it, it's a genius show. I mean, the whole aesthetic of it is great. It's so kind of obviously Stephen Kingy in its approach to everything. Right. And setting it in the 80s is genius, not just for the nostalgia factor, but, you know, kids didn't have the same kind of technology back then. It just, it, it affects the storytelling of the show and everything in a way that is very, very smart and makes everything slightly spookier. When you can't just Google something, like, right. it's, you know, it's just different. <laughs> right. I agree, man. And, you know, I'm a child of the 80s for sure. So anytime anything can kind of speak to to that era for me, like I'm immediately drawn to it anyway. Yeah. And then just to be done so well and uh, to have the characters resonate so well. And like I said, the personal connection with my hometown and stuff is really cool too. So, yeah. So what's your favorite season of the four? You know, I really dug the most recent one. Um, Yeah. Did you watch it by the way, the new season? I I did. I loved the most recent season. And I I personally had no problem with the run times either. I know some people thought it was too long. I thought it was fine. Yeah. That, that was, it's funny you say that because that was probably my one hang up is that (laughs) why do we need two and a half hour finale? I I don't know. Like, I feel like they could have done more episodes basically. I don't know. It would have been the same runtime, but it would have meant something different to me mentally. I don't don't know. It's weird. So probably the problem there, but. I don't know. It's it's a really neck and neck run between season four and season one. Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like season one kind of started it all. And I love the kind of like mystery around the 11 character in the first season because, yeah. you know, once yeah. we get past that first season and we kind of r- realize like, oh, shit, she's Darth Vader, basically. Uh, <laughs> you know, she's or Superman, as Dan put it when he was on my show. Like she could basically kill anybody she wanted to at any moment, any, any second of yeah. any day. So it's like you have to battle with that kind of like throughout the rest of the show. So in the first season, they didn't so much. And it was kind of a mystery um, yeah. and kind of like building that arc. So, but yeah, I, if I had to answer you right now, which I will because you're my dude, I'll say uh, <laughs> I'll say season one, but season four is a close second. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm actually one of the few people who really liked season three as well. I know a lot of people didn't like it. No, but I don't mind it. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's I, probably I ranked it as my as the least favorite, but I, I, li- I loved it. I mean, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice pick. All right, man. So we uh, crossed up there on Stranger Things. That's my number one. And that was our top five spooky TV shows. Now, Billy, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to remind everybody what we had on our top five. We're going to give some honorable mentions. And then we will head over to social media and see what the fans had to say in the old suggestion box. All right. So, Billy, sit tight. We will be right back. Hello, listeners. Did you know that there is a lot more content where this episode came from? As you may know, we are an independent podcast and we rely on donations in order to keep going. Over on our Patreon site, you will find several ways to stretch your dollar. I am currently producing six exclusive series that you can only get there. They include popular ones such as My First Time and 100 G-Tunes. You'll also get regular main top five episodes just like this one, super early, often weeks in advance. For as little as $1, you can help the show continue. Just visit us over at patreon.com slash two peas on a pod, or you can check the show notes for this very episode. Now let's get back to the countdown. Welcome back, guys. As I said, pre-break, Billy is here from We Watched a Thing, which, by the way, me and Billy watched a thing we're going to be talking about on his show (laughs) uh, here shortly. So make sure you look up his information in the show notes and give him a follow over there. He does a great thing over on his podcast as well. But we've been discussing our favorite spooky TV shows. Billy, why don't you remind everybody, what was your top five again? All righty. At number five, I had American Horror Story. Number four, Stranger Things. I had the original Twilight Zone at number three, Buffy the Vampire Slayer at two, and at number one, The X-Files. 
I like that we got kind of a broad representation there because we really only had the one cross-up. Yeah. So that's cool. All right. So my number five was Gravity Falls. My number four was True Blood. Number three was Bates Motel. My number two was The Haunting of Hill House. And my number one was Stranger Things, which was our only cross-up, as I mentioned. All right, Billy. So we're going to head over to a Facebook here in a minute and see what the fans had to say. But before we do that, I wanted to give you an opportunity to give some honorable mentions. I have five because I like to piss Dan off. <laughs> uh, so I always do exactly five. What do you got over there that didn't quite crack your top five, buddy? I actually didn't have too many honorable mentions. I, I really liked the recent Chucky TV series. Yeah, dude. That's a yeah. lot of fun. I love that show. Yeah. I thought that was a heap of fun. Hell yeah. Um, That's basically it for me. Yeah. What about you? That's funny because that's on mine too. So I have Chucky uh, on the Sci-Fi Channel. Just a fucking blast, dude. I mean, yeah. uh, they just really had fun with it, and they really harnessed all the like Chucky yes. idiosyncrasies and like let him kind of be this asshole like <laughs> yeah. character yeah. that he that he you know came to be in the in the movies. And then the other one that's also based on a film series is Scream. Uh, that was on a, oh, that was on MTV. Yes. Like the first season, I'm just gonna tell you right now. The first season of Scream, I think it's eight episodes that was on MTV. Was, I don't have the year in front of me. It's probably like six, seven years ago. Is phenomenal. Yep. Is really good. If you like teen drama mixed with like slasher, it is like a really, really good interpretation of Scream. So I really, really enjoyed it. Particularly the first season. The second one was okay, but. The first season was really good, and I love the plot twist at the end that harkened back. I was just as surprised at the plot twist in the first season as I was to like the Billy and Sue plot twist in the first movie. Yeah, nice. Uh, they did really, nice. they did really well. The writing was phenomenal. Um, so yeah, Kevin Williamson was involved. is a is a great series. I, I recommend checking it out if you if you would like to do so. And then yeah. I had Midnight Mass, which we already mentioned, Twilight Zone, and American Horror Story. So that, yeah, would, nice. that would have rounded out my top 10. So you mentioned most of mine. So there you have it, guys. Those are our favorite spooky TV shows. Now, to wrap up every episode, Billy, I head over to social media and I see what the fans had to say in the old suggestion box. Guys, if you have not joined up yet, please check the show notes and join up to the Facebook fan page because that is where I interact with my fans the most and where I get feedback every week. So I just said, hey... What are some of your favorite spooky TV shows? So let's see what we got over there, Billy. Jared says Stranger Things and Twilight Zone. He's not nice. he's not wrong. Now here's one. <laughs> here's one that patron and friend of the show, Josh Raglan, shouted out that I thought was going to come up tonight. And I gotta be honest with you, I'm surprised it didn't, and I want to have a bit of a conversation about it. But he says The Walking Dead was spooky. The first few seasons, but it hasn't been for a while. And I responded. I said, yeah, but it's revolutionary for the genre. Now, this is the show I was talking about early on, Billy, where I said there were some shows in the last 10 years that really kind of changed that horror TV kind of umbrella. And I feel like Walking Dead really did that, not only for horror, but even more specifically drilled in for like the zombie genre. Did you ever watch the show? I disliked it from the start. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) All right. I, my problem is that I was such a giant fan of the comic series. I loved the comic series. And when the show started, that was always already about a hundred issues in from memory. And I was up to date on it. I loved it. And I was so excited for the show. I watched it the night it dropped. And they took the first issue of the series, which is 23 pages, and they spread that out across the entire first season. And I could never understand why they did that because I just, I couldn't get into it right from the start. I didn't like the characterizations. I didn't like the way that they changed the story. And that's probably more my fault than the show's fault. But yeah, for me, I, I just didn't like it from the start. Yeah, no, I didn't read the the anything before the show. And, yeah. and much like Josh, I watched the first few seasons and I kind of fell off. Like, I haven't seen the last few. Yeah. Um, but I do remember thinking at the time that it was so exciting as a horror fan because, especially if you're talking zombies, because... I mean, since Romero, I mean, maybe Zombieland, the movies, maybe. Yeah. But like, yep. generally speaking, like it was a dead kind of subgenre. Like people weren't, and no pun intended, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but people weren't really, you know, exploring it like I felt like they should. And The Walking Dead kind of reinvigorated that. 
yeah. on TV, but then we got so many different offshoots in cinema as well. It was like the it was like the yeah. genre was kind of rebirth, you know, because of the show. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I did not know the source material like you did, so I get your kind of qualms with that. But yeah, uh, great shout out there, Josh. Uh, Paul, patron in front of the show that we already mentioned way too many times tonight, <laughs> says uh, Haunting of Hill House is easily the scariest TV show ever made. But if Buffy and Angel count, then they win. So we yes. mentioned pretty much all those. <laughs> uh, here's a good shout out. Joey, patron in front of the show, says Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, did you ever watch that with Robert Stack narrating? No, I didn't actually. Dude, no, this was that was a good shout out. Actually, he says Robert Stack's voice, people disappearing, murder, the whole nine yards, and it's in your own backyard. It's really scary. So, Unsolved Mysteries was this kind of like Dateline type hour show that came on every week, where Robert Stack would narrate these literal crimes that had happened where they had not been solved. Yeah, right. So yeah. it was like, and they would have these actors. Uh, reenact the the murders or the you know disappearances or whatever. So it was like a little, and it was like two or three every episode. So it would be like you know yep. a ten or fifteen minute little short about this one mystery. And Robert Stack's like narrating it, very deep, kind of creepy voice. You know, yep. iconic, really. Uh, Netflix actually did a resurgence of this, and they did a uh, they rebooted it, and they did another Unsolved Mysteries. It's on Netflix. They've had two seasons, and that's actually really good too. It's it's missing the Robert Stack narration, which was part of the charm of the original. But yeah, uh, I don't know. It's just something about these like real life stories that are creepy that are not solved. You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, I mean, obviously, at the moment, I'm sure you know this is a podcast. A true crime is like right, yeah, massive genre at the moment. That, like, yeah, that's essentially what it is. I mean, it's yeah. true crime at, at its core. Before true crime was a thing, basically. Yeah. Uh, Chris Yaney, patron in front of the show, says Marianne on Netflix. He said it's beyond spooky. It's straight up amazing horror. Now, this is one that I wanted to watch, but I have not yet. Have you seen Marianne, or do you know of it? I haven't even heard of it. No. I haven't either, and I don't know. I had a, quite a few people mention that to me, and I want to check it out, but I haven't had a chance to yet, so I'm sorry, Chris, but thanks for the shout-out. <laughs> uh, Drew, patron and friend of the show, says, Are you afraid of the dark? Penny, yeah, yep. Yeah, it's a good one. Penny Dreadful, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. There you go. Evil, The Haunting of Hill House, and then he says also Grim, Chucky, and The Strain. There you yep. go. Uh, let's see. Jo uh, Joshua Michael says The Haunting of Hill House is the spookiest fiction. But nonfiction, he's going to go with Unsolved Mysteries or America's Most Wanted. Nice. Again, you know, real life stories. You can't escape it. It's real. Uh, Julio from The Contrarians. You know that guy. He was on your show a few weeks ago. Of course. Great friend. Love uh, you, Julio. <laughs> I love Julio as well. He's a patron and friend of the show. He says, uh, well, he shares a gif from Hannibal with Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. I watched the first kind of half of the first season of Hannibal and I loved it. Mm -hmm. And then I had kids <laughs> and, <laughs> and stopped watching it. Well, that's, but I have uh, always intended to go back because uh, I have lots of friends who tell me that it is fantastic right through to the end. Having kids is really ruins everything am i right <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't finish hannibal guys wow yeah. uh joey mills says evil chucky midnight mass and creep show uh, which is over on shutter brad uh patron in front of the show from the cinema guys shared a gif of the teletubbies <laughs> it's not wrong i mean pretty, yeah, there's no denying they're creepy it's pretty horrific uh, Amanda, a dear, dear friend of the show, says Stranger Things, Buffy, Witcher, Vampire Diaries, and Hannibal. Marshall says X-Files was his all-time favorite. Aye. There you go. He also loved Night Stalker as a kid. Stranger Things is a no-brainer. And The Sandman just made my list. He also says American Horror Story goes without saying. The Sandman I haven't caught yet, have you? That's like a new thing. Like People, are, the people won't shut up about it. It's like a new <laughs> pop culture thing. Have you watched that yet? I haven't yet. And th this is the problem with Netflix shows is that people who don't have kids binge them in one night and then just and then talk, about, talk it about it constantly. Forever, right? And I'm like, I haven't got to it yet, guys. Give me a month or so. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Guys, thank you so much for the feedback over in the suggestion box this week. As always, I really appreciate it. Billy, we watched a thing. Well, we watched several things to come up with our top five tonight. Yeah. 
I really appreciate yep. you being here, man. Why don't you tell them a little bit about what you do on your podcast and then tell them where they can find you real quick, buddy. No worries, mate. I appreciate the invite. I've been a long time fan of your show and it's so nice to finally get over here. So thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, and I'm looking forward to having you on my show too. Yeah, of course. Uh, we Watched a Thing is a show that does what it says on the tin. Each week we watch a thing and we talk about a thing. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> uh, used to have a co-host, uh, my best friend. He He's a cameraman. I'm a visual effects artist. So we tried to kind of approach things with a, a little bit of a, um, you know, a knowledgeable lens, but we're also just kind of dickheads at the same time. Uh, but these days I'm lucky enough to have great guests like yourself pop in each week and, and watch a thing with me. And uh, if you're into checking that out, you can do that at wewatchedathing.com or just searching for We Watched a Thing wherever you find podcasts. What I will tell you, Billy, and I'll, I'll gush on you here while everyone's listening and I'm still recording. So, you know, this is, <laughs> this is going to be legit. People are going to hear this. What's really cool about Billy's show, guys, is that, you know, if you ever like watch a movie or watch a TV show and you like just want to talk to somebody about it and you go to work the next morning and you find the first friend or coworker, hey, did you see this last night? That's what Billy's show's like. Uh, you know, <laughs> when I listen to it, it's not. And I'm not, that's not a, I'm not knocking it in any way, Billy. No, I really, no, I really yeah, like yeah. that aspect of it. It's not like, it's not like two critics sitting around talking about the yeah. lighting and like, you know, that's not what it is. It's like, oh my God, I just watched this thing. Did you watch this? Let's talk about it. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that I, was always kind of our MO. We've always said we're not a movie review show. We're, right. we're a movie discussion show, yeah. which is exactly it. We just like to, we just love chatting movies. Yeah. Like, yeah. I agree, man. Yeah. And I just rewatched one of my all time favorites, Batman from 1989. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to be coming over on your show to talk about that in the near future. So I'm excited about that. But yeah, yep. you guys uh, look Billy up. All his information will be in the show notes for We Watched a Thing and make sure you go over there and check him out. Billy, thanks so much for being here, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, again, thank you so much for having me, mate. This has been a blast. Guys, all kinds of horror Halloween-themed episodes are coming your way next week for our next Halloween-themed episode. My boy Justin from Epic Film Guys Brain Stew and Jeff from Cadavercast. I'm going to be doing a mega episode. They're going to be with me Ooh, to nice. discuss our favorite horror comedies. So I'm excited nice. to, to do that. I'm so thrilled to talk about a couple of these movies that ended up making my list for horror comedies. So make sure you tune in for that, and we will see you then. Billy, once again, thanks for being here, man. And everybody else, thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Thanks, heaps.